Welcome to you. Um, it has been a great week for all those of you that uh, took your time and invested in a VBS this last week. I just want to personally thank you for that. Um, there was just a lot of rich spiritual fruit going on there and love to see our bodies serving like that and people engaged and enthusiastic. And so there was a lot of good singing. I know some of you who are a little bit older and volunteered and you were up and down and up and down. Um, maybe you're a little winded, but it was really well worth it to see all that God was doing. So this morning, um, we get together as a church family to think about God's Word. And I want you to turn your Bible open to the end of the book of Matthew, where there are some very familiar words this morning. We're uh, doing something a little unique. Some of you already um, cheated a little bit. That's okay. We still love you. Um, but you, some of you got uh, in your hand an instrument that I'm going to explain in a little bit. I just want you to put that aside. Don't think about it. Just set it aside. Don't look at it. That's cheating, okay? And uh, you're good. Some of you don't know what I'm talking about, and that's even better. And you'll get that in just a moment. So this morning, we're talking about the heart of what it means to, to follow Jesus, and um, that phrase, even saying it, probably elicits all kinds of different imaginations, thoughts, um, expectations. For some of you, you're feeling like, uh, for me, that has meant a certain behavioral lifestyle. It's meant a certain set of expectations that other people might have of me. This morning, I'd really love for us to be able to set that aside a bit, look at Scripture, and then we're going um, to challenge you. I think you'll be challenged because I, I know the Spirit of God is going to be a work in this tool that we're going to use um, to bring encouragement to you and hopefully conviction to you about how to grow in your walk with Jesus and how to be even better at it. So these words from the Gospel of Matthew, and I'd love for us to stand up because these are familiar words, but if you have the ability and you can stand up as we read God's Word, it's a brief passage Matthew 28, it's the Great Commission, starting in verse 16, and um, we'll just read through verse 20. Matthew 28. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. Now we're going to get into verse 17. I just encourage us all to read it together out loud. So read the word of the Lord with me. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. You may be seated. This is the word of the Lord. And they're familiar to many of us, right? They speak of the mission 
for every follower of Jesus, the heart of what we're about. First, don't you love in that text as Jesus meets them after it's after the resurrection and after he had plowed through a lot of um, what they had been expected and surprised them by sacrificing himself on this bloody cross and by rising again from the third day. Now these 11 disciples, they went to Galilee on the instructions of their Lord and Jesus meets them there. And when they see them, their immediate response is, Yeah, it's worship. When they see Jesus, their immediate response is worship. Sometimes you might walk in through the doors here, get here a little late. You're rushing to get the kids here. You're doing all these other things. You're thinking about work. And you finally take a breath and you walk through the doors here and there are people singing. And maybe the thought might come to you, why am I doing this? Well, you do it because you were created to do that. Because that's how God wired you and designed you. It's it's what you should be doing as a human, that we are called to worship the Lord. But hopefully it's because you're drawing near to the presence of Jesus and you can't do anything else but worship. And that's what happens with the disciples. They see him and they worship. And I love the next phrase because it's real, right? And some, some are grappling still with the, with the reality of someone being able to rise from the dead. And they were doubting probably a lot of things. It doesn't describe exactly the source or what they were doubting of. They could be doubting themselves, their own place in this whole thing. What, what are they doing? And into this doubt, Jesus says, all authority in heaven and on earth. That's, that's a pretty inclusive statement, isn't it? Everything, all authority has been given to me. Now, here's what I'm going to do with my authority. I want you to go and make disciples. In the middle of your doubt, in the middle of your worship, in the middle of all of it, I have a mission for you. It's a huge mission. But it's not overly complicated, is it? The first disciples, they hadn't taken an advanced discipleship course or global evangelism, you know, masters, or they didn't have that. They had been in the presence of Jesus. They had seen him model it. So they understood a lot of the the basic things. They'd seen the example. They'd stepped into it themselves. They had struggled. They had failed. They had found some victory in it. But they were simply called out here by Jesus to this great mission And then, of course, we discover in the book of Acts, they were given the Spirit of God to be able to accomplish that mission. Yes, I want to say, as we just think about this mission, it is overwhelming. We cannot do it in and of ourselves. Can we say that? Amen. And as a church and as individuals, we will fail in that mission trying to do it in and of ourselves. But that's not the point here in Scripture, is it? Because all authority had been given to Jesus and he was passing on the mission to his disciples that they would go and make disciples of all nations. Every, in the text, original text, every ethnos, every ethnic group, every nation, every culture across the entire world. That's the mission. And that we ought to baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit that they ought to take a stand publicly for the Lord Jesus. That's the mission. 
and that we all should observe all that the Lord has commanded us. And so we become his disciples and we rest in that. We live in that. We pursue that mission with all that we have to the end of the age, which has not ended yet. So we're all engaged in this. So how do we go about it? Well, one thing is sure. I can't reproduce disciples in my life if I'm not one myself. I can't, I can't fulfill the mission that Jesus has for me if I am not truly a disciple myself. I think that if we took time this morning and we asked every individual around, would you please define what it means to be a disciple of Jesus? We'd get a lot of different definitions, wouldn't we? Um, we get a lot of different life experiences, a lot of assumptions. Hopefully, all of us would be thinking about, well, what does Scripture say about this, right? We'd be digging into God's Word together. That's part of what we want us all to be doing. But here, this morning, I want you to think, if God has indeed called me to be a disciple and you to be a disciple and for us to make disciples as our chief mission in life, then we all know that we have plenty of room to grow in that adventure, don't we? None of us have completely arrived. We all came in, walked in here this morning with limitations, with past failures, with struggles, hopefully with great aspirations, wanting to follow Jesus better and wanting to figure out how I make disciples in my neighborhood better. And in order for us to begin this significant work, We need to get better clarity, I believe, especially on two fronts. First, we need to be clear about what does God expect of us as disciples, as his followers? What does being a disciple truly entail? What needs to be taking place in my life in order for me to truly follow the Lord as he's called me to, to follow him fully, to follow him well? And secondly, We need a really honest assessment of where we are currently are in that process personally. Lord, um, where am I? You know, it's easy for us to kind of keep bumping along in life. Um, Perhaps your summer has been full like mine, and we've got all this activity surrounding us. And sometimes we just need to step back and say, Lord, how am I doing? What's going on in my life? How am I truly pursuing you? What needs to change in my life? And what needs to change in this church and bridges here so that we can become the best hothouse possible in order to nurture spiritual growth and reproduction? There are times we believe where as a church we need to step back, and this is one of those times for us to step back as a body in Christ and say, where are we at? Where do we need to grow? How do we need to do this better together? How do we follow Jesus better? Before we dive too deeply into this, there's some essential things about the life adventure of following Jesus that I want you to hear. They're critical for us. The first is this. I've already mentioned it in part. It's completely the work of God. It is from start to last, completely the work of God. He's the author and the finisher of our faith, isn't he? Two, it's a sacrificial adventure not a linear process. That's going to bug some of you, I know. Those of you who are wired to be box checkers and engineers and accountants even, right, who love a 
a process that's clear and linear. That's not exactly how God has wired our lives. And third, discipleship isn't about a legalistic set of rules. Some of us love to be told what to do. If you just tell me, Ron, how I can do this from A to B, and I've got that wired, or if I can go to a specific class and then pass the class and I've got it and I'm good, that's what you long for. But that's kind of the wiring of humans, right? To, to set up rules and expectations, but it's not legalism. Think about all the times that, that Jesus confronted people about their own legalism. Yet there are, an essential, there are essential spiritual elements that are part of every disciple's life. There are things that we can all agree upon that have to be part of us as we follow Jesus. In John 15, 5, Jesus tells his disciples, I am the vine, you are the you're right. You are the branches. Whoever abides in me, who lives and makes their home here, and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do, can't do anything. And that's why I say it's completely the work of God. Apart, Scripture says, and Jesus specifically here says, apart from me, you can't do anything. This is all his work from first to last. Second Corinthians 3.18 says, And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image. We're being transformed in the image of Jesus. That's what he's doing currently in our life. From one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. It does not come from your works or your your efforts, your competency. It does not come from you. It comes from the Lord from first to last. And as a follower of Jesus, I'm being transformed to be like him. And who I am becoming in Jesus comes from my Lord as a gift of grace, not from me. Discipleship is completely the work of God. Is that clear? I praise God for that because otherwise I'd be a huge failure. I fail at this often and I need to keep coming back and seeking the powerful work of God in me. Now consider again the activities and the adventures of the disciples. Think about all the starts and the stops that they had, the failures and the successes they experienced. Being disciples does not come in three easy steps or a straight upward line of progressive growth. Be kind of cool, I guess. Part of me wants that, but that's not exactly how it happens. It's this sacrificial adventure, not a linear process. Listen to what Jesus says in Matthew 16, 24 through 25. Key words about discipleship. And Jesus told his disciples, If anyone would come after me, let him. You know this scripture, right? Many of you know this. Let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what shall a man give in return for his soul? Jesus is in one fell swoop saying, 
Discipleship is a sacrificial adventure, but it's wholly worth it. Think again about what the most important thing in your life is to pursue. Do you want to pursue other things that will not last and then forfeit your own soul? Or do you want to do the thing that really truly matters? To follow me with everything you have. To deny yourself and to pick up your cross and follow me. It's going to mean sacrifice to follow me. But being a disciple is this adventure of sacrifice and challenge and risk in our life. And Jesus says it's worth it if I let go. But it's going to require everything of you. That's the challenge, right, when we first lead someone into faith in Christ, when they first take that step. You don't realize what it's going to require fully. But God receives people into his family by his grace. Then I start taking steps forward, and I realize there are things that I'm going to have to sacrifice if I'm going to be a follower of Jesus. It's going to be challenging and sacrificial. That's part of it. Now, the sacrifice is going to pale in comparison to all the things the Lord is going to do for me and in me and with me if I step into that adventure. But it's going to be sacrificial. And finally, it's never about a legalistic set of rules But there are essential spiritual elements that are part of a disciple's life, of every disciple's life. Many of us, I believe, have experienced unnecessary discouragement in our attempts to follow Jesus because our faith has devolved into a set of rules, other people's expectations for you. Have you ever felt the pressure to spend an hour a day in prayer like some people do and you feel like a total failure when about 15 minutes in you fall asleep? Ever felt the weight of some people who are just great models of being in God's word every day and they're doing it great, but you feel like that is the rule. You need to spend 45 minutes in the morning every morning. And if you didn't wake up at 5.30 in the morning and spend that time in God's word, then you weren't quite like up to par. Our faith can devolve into a set of rules. That's not discipleship. But then again, spending time in the Word and spending time in prayer, there's, those are essential elements. I can't live without it. I can't follow Jesus without those essential elements in my life. We think that if we read our Bibles for a certain amount of time or obey the Ten Commandments most of the time, <laughs> or occasionally share the gospel, then we're fulfilling our obligation. But following Jesus is so much more than that, isn't it? It's not about rules following because I've been set free in Christ. Yet developing habits of godliness in my life, they're hugely important. If I didn't have habits in my life to demonstrate my love for my wife, I'd be in deep water. She wouldn't know. There are habits that I engage in to express my love in response to Sue's love for me. And in a larger way, That is the story of my spiritual journey. I respond to the Lord out of his great love for me. And I do so with certain things in mind. So what are those things? Um, Over the last year, our fellowship, our church leadership has been working 
um, thinking more deeply, working hard about thinking specifically about what does it mean for us as a church and what does it mean for us individually to follow Jesus. And what we'd love for you to do right now is to take an inventory of your spiritual journey, of your life right now. And it's going to require a few things. First of all, I want to just set you free right now. It's anonymous. No one's going to know what you put down as an answer unless they're looking over your shoulder. Don't do that. Okay, don't copy over somebody else's shoulder or don't even look at their responses. We want this to be a personal inventory that you take and we want you to just be able to do that with freedom and transparency. Second, it's not going to work unless you're going to be able to be honest with yourself. Some of these questions you're going to read and you know what the expectation might be of others because you've heard them. You've heard those expectations. I want you to just set those aside and be able to honestly assess where am I currently, what's happening in my life currently in this area of my life. We need your help on this. We need your help for you to be honest because um, we're going to compile the results and it's going to help us in this next season of our ministry focus in on those areas we need to grow in as a church. I think as you take this survey, you're going to experience, hopefully, encouragement of the Lord to grow in particular areas. And because the Spirit of the God, Spirit, the Holy Spirit is who He is, God Himself, you're going to experience some, hopefully, some conviction. Wow, there's an area of my life I need to grow in. Don't experience that conviction as a new set of rules, but experience it as a challenge to think about what are the areas of my life that maybe I need to make some sacrifice for so that I might follow Jesus more faithfully. We're not going to check, you know, we have no handwriting experts who are going to analyze who was, did Mike Amato really say that on his survey? We're not going to do that. It's going to be completely anonymous and we're going to send it away and get results and it'll sharpen us as a fellowship as we get those results to think about. Every fellowship is going to take this, by the way. All the language fellowships are taking it. And the survey um, is, has this purpose to help us determine how we as a church can go forward and best fulfill the Great Commission as a body of believers. This inventory really is continuation of the vision framing process you might have heard us talking about. And I'm going to have the ushers come forward. If you do not yet have the instrument, I'm going to just have you get one and a pencil. Don't start filling it out yet. If you've already started to fill it out, you're okay, you're forgiven, there's a lot of grace here, okay? But hold on before I give clear instructions before you start doing that, okay? So this is the part of the SAT test where you put your pencils down, do not start, exactly, okay. So it's part of this uh, framing process for the vision that we have, the future that we're crafting together. And this is how we measure how we're doing with the Lord, as a fellowship, where we need to lean into to grow, how we need to change and grow together. So I'm going to have you get the survey, and I'm going to explain the survey, and we're going to give you about 10 minutes to fill it out. A couple brief instructions before you dive into this. First, before we actually dive into it, I'm going to pray 
that God would use this as an instrument to encourage you in your walk with him. Second, again, I've said it only works if you can be transparent and honest in your responses. The first page is simply um, to give some demographic information for us that's helpful for us to get. So fill out that demographic information if you would. And then as you turn open your survey, there's a list of questions. And the questions are geared on a scale of one to five. It says, always, I always do this, or often. I, that happens with regularity in my life. It doesn't happen 24-7, but it happens often. Or sometimes, yeah, like once a week or once every other week. Rarely, like this is like Christmas and Easter, or never. This never happens to me. And we have a whole set of questions. Let me just choose one. Number 16 says this. I have a deepening hunger to follow Jesus every moment of every day. If there is anyone that puts always on that, I would really love to talk with you. I'm not going like, to get on you. I just want to talk with you to understand how you're doing that. That's not yet my experience. I can't put always on that one. Um, there are several that I can't put like, I'm a five on that. I, I'm going to have all kinds of middle ground here on some of these questions. I'm going to fill it out myself. Okay. So now I'm going to invite you to enter into this instrument. And once we're done, we're gonna, I'm going to um, give a, a couple more words of encouragement. But let me pray first. Father, um, I pray that you would be moving us, sharpening us, helping us reflect about who we are and what you're doing in and with us. Use this instrument as a tool in your hand to draw us closer to you and to help us to be a church that follows you with everything that we have with excellence. In Christ's name we pray, amen. couple words of just encouragement, and then we're going to turn our hearts to communion. Um, first, this is really essential for us. We're so grateful that you would, um, you would give us the latitude to be able to get at this, because it really is our heart's desire for every person here to experience great health in their walk with the Lord and, and really wonderful growth this next year. And we want to be a church that really fosters that, encourages it, strengthens us together. Um, I want you to just consider the bigger categories of the survey briefly as, um, as I read them out, just as questions that we have kind of crafted together. First was, and we notice we have it in three categories, pursuing God and pursuing growth and pursuing risk. And um, the first question was, how did I honor God in the way I connected with him today? And I pray that today, this would be a day where you not only connect with the Lord, but you seek to honor Him. And so we help you with some of those questions to flesh that out. How am I seeking God in our worship gatherings to deepen my passion for Him? You come here for all kinds of different reasons. We're hoping that you come 
and experience a deepening passion for him and encourage others in that same journey. How am I content with the way God is providing for my needs today? The Lord has called us not to live with a spirit of discontent, but with a spirit of contentment that he is the giver of all good things. How am I listening and responding to the Holy Spirit's prompting throughout my day? That's, that's a great question to be asking ourselves because if we're following Jesus, the Spirit's going to be poking us throughout the day as we live with him. And how much does um, my life group know about my current joys and struggles? Perhaps you're not even yet a part of a life group and you would love, you can't wait to be a part of it and you can't wait even this morning to go and talk to beautiful Natalie over here. Raise your hand, Natalie, if you would. She is leading um, our small groups, the small group director, and you want to go and join one of our small groups so you experience a type of community that can push on your spiritual growth and your following of Christ. In what ways am I encouraging the faith of my family or those I do life with? God has called you to do life with the people around you that he has in your life. So how is that working? How are you investing in them? And then that risk Portion. How am I investing my time, money, and talents for the kingdom purposes? That's always challenging, isn't it? It really gets at the piece of our selfishness and how we give ourselves away. And then how am I engaged with our impact teams to grow in my love and service of others? How are you? How's your serve? How are you, how are you doing with serving and how are we doing that as a community together? And finally, how am I building bridges to reach non-Christians where I live, work, and play? All those categories you're going to hear us talk more about in the coming days. And I, for one, really look forward to how God is going to use us together to grow in Him. Thank you for listening to the Bridges Community Church Sermon Podcast. Bridges Community Church is located in the San Francisco Bay Area in Fremont, California. To know more about Bridges Community Church, please go to our website at bridgescc.org.